Greetings and uh, welcome to another podcast. Now, whether you're listening on Spotify, iTunes, whatever podcast platform, or you are watching on YouTube, uh, this is similar to the last time where I had a podcast with uh, professional FIFA player Dr. Nightwatch. So it's not your ordinary uh, episode of the Skill Gap podcast. Don't worry, those haven't stopped. It's just every time I do one of these uh, on the PLB Esports channel, I figured why not share it with you guys here on this platform as well. So today we have uh, Lucasinho, a professional FIFA player. He's also a UEFA A licensed coach, which means he's got some serious footballing credentials in real life. He's also a coach in FIFA. He represents uh, AIK, sorry if you're Swedish and I'm saying that wrong, uh, in FIFA. And lots of great insights from a veteran of the FIFA community. So I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Perfect. Thank you for joining me, Lucas. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. How about you? Um, phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Phenomenal? Now, why? Because uh, I'm here with you, bro. Like, why uh, else? <laughs> This is pretty much the highlight of your week, then, I suppose. For sure. Like, the podcast on the PLB channel. But, yeah, we like to do this every now and then. Nightwatch was our first guest. Now we get to have you. Um, the whole purpose is because this whole esports initiative is um, to help, uh, you know, the young talent in Italy. And then in the future, also, bit, like, beyond the country. Of Italy, and it's just um, you know you're a pro player. You've have you have an extensive history. So did Nightwatch, and so there's a lot of insights. But I feel like there's also an interesting aspect about your pre FIFA days and uh, how you because everyone has their different story, and I'm sure there's stuff uh, about your pre FIFA days that contributed to how you are as a FIFA pro player and shapes kind of like your thinking. So I, I kind of wanted to start with that. How long how long have you been playing FIFA? What was your first FIFA game? I can't remember playing FIFA 97 on the 97. PC. So I was just like three or four years old when I first started playing. So I can't really remember that much pre-FIFA days, to be honest. It's just always been such a huge part of my life, you know, um, buying every version since then. Um, started playing my first one on the PlayStation 1 back in, I think it was two, FIFA 2000. Great days, man. Playing career mode those days. Um, all the players had like a fixed price. So it was a lot of fun playing with the Swedish clubs because you, you could be signing like Ronaldo um, to a Swedish club uh, if you sold enough players. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. I remember that. Yeah, for sure. I, I think mine was um, FIFA 2001 on the PC, oh, but I didn't even yeah. play myself. I would just watch my brother play. And uh, I, don't, I just remember being excited. He'd be playing career mode. Like you said, and he'd be Roma. And then when it was Roma Lazio, I was like nervous. I was like, you better win this. But I remember that playing against my dad in 2001 uh, because Lazio was pretty big Very in Sweden good. back then. Back then, um, because Svenis was a coach. Yeah. You know, so that's where there are a lot of Lazio supporters in Sweden. Um, there's actually a lot, or is it only like. Yeah, 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 I would say so. Yeah. It's, popular club i mean the italian league isn't that big here um yeah. but to the ones who do like it lazio is a big club um and uh yeah i remember my dad always playing with lazio uh, those were the days <laughs> days right there if i had to play with my dad or my brother one of us would have to be on the keyboard and it was pain 
like playing FIFA <laughs> on the keyboard. I don't think people yeah. understand. But on that game, it was possible because all I did was I went down the wing with uh, Totti and I'd cross it to Batistuta and he'd bicycle kick and it would work every single, every single time. Uh, I mean, but, I still remember the controls, you know, oh, yeah? like you were shooting on D, I think. And then S was a short pass. A was like a cross. So yeah, like yeah, yeah. Now. And W <laughs> with the through ball, I think. Or you were running fast on W. I can't remember. And you have to spam it back then. You couldn't really hold it. You had to spam the button to sprint. I don't yeah. know if you remember that at all. I, I, think, I, I think it was triangle like back on FIFA 2001 or something. Yeah. Just spammed it. And then, yeah, uh, <laughs> those were the days. All right. Yeah. Fun times. But I don't think that would go. If that was the meta nowadays, we'd be happy. I mean, FIFA 19 didn't go down too well for the crossing. What about <laughs> what about um, your in real life experience with the actual sport of football? Did you play? If, oh, wow. CEOs, if yes, like um, what positions? Yeah, uh, I'm one of the few who actually dare to admit that I was shit, you know, yeah. um, I was, I mean, I was always more in love with the game itself than playing it. Yeah. Um, you know, watching, uh, my dad always took me to games when I was a kid. I always used to watch Premier League, you know, like that was the highlight of the week when I could just sit down an entire Saturday and just watch Premier League. Um, also played a lot of handball. I was a lot better in handball than football. And um, my family's always been like a huge handball family. I don't even know if you know what that is. Of course. Yeah, um, I know. What handball yeah, is. I do. Um, so we used to play that a lot. Um, but I was never very good. Like my dad was a coach. We, you know, would be in lines pretty much shooting from a pass. And that's all we did. Um, I mean, I did um, I did play as a winger. Um, I switched teams when I was in my early teenagers, like when I was 13, maybe. And I um, started developing physically. So I started getting some pace to my game. And uh, I thought it was a lot more fun playing. But then I quit a year later because my coach, uh, yeah, he was horrible. <laughs> I remember yeah. he, um, I laughed at him because he, he would always play with us. And I hated that. And because he was an <laughs> adult, you know, he was an yeah. adult. And he would never be on my team. And he always played on the uh, in the opposite team and he was always in my position so if i was a striker he was a center back if i was in the midfield he was in the midfield you know and he would tackle me from behind and like do weird stuff you know and so he took a shot at goal from like ha the halfway line he missed it and i started laughing at him you know like you do uh yeah. to kind of <laughs> it was it was weird anyways so he lifted me up in my shirt and he was like, what the fuck are you laughing about? You know, and then he threw me to the ground. I was 13, you know, and he, yeah. uh, that was a shocker. So I quit after that. It was just like, no. So yeah. I, I kept on playing Humble. Um, but then I started playing like Sunday League uh, a few years ago. Uh, but I've just felt like since uh, my coaching is taking up so much time, it's um it's uh, not been possible to be as fit as you want to be yeah. Um, because we've been quite competitive. So I've been coaching now for seven years, um, 13 to 15 year olds only pretty much. And um, it's, it's what I want to do. That's crazy. No, I, I feel that for the coach. I've had some bad coaches here and there. And like, I feel even in school, I feel like there's a lot of uh, people who get into it who don't realize the impact like they could have on people, whether it was school teachers or yeah. coaches. I know exactly yeah. who I have bad memories with and good memories with and who made it yeah. like um, unbearable. I think my my coach, when I was uh, my last team I played with, 
it was really weird. Like I had a good season and that was a good time. But the moment I stepped down um, like a little bit and it wasn't even my fault per se. It was due to an injury. It was awful. I was like, this is okay. Like, you know, the saying, if you don't like me when I'm this, you don't deserve me when yeah. I'm here. So that's <laughs> how I felt. It was, um, it was awful. But I find that interesting that you played winger because um, I said this last time as well when I asked Nightwatch, but I remember sometimes I see a lot of similarities between people's styles and where they prefer to play in real life. And you play a lot of very yeah. fast FIFA style, your pace, and you're 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 just counterattacking. You are the counterattacking old school player. So it's like there's always it always leads back to that. Oh, definitely. I mean, uh, it was the way I used to be playing. I, I remember like preparing for games, just playing like pro clubs. This was before like you could create your own player and stuff, but you would control like Ronaldo and just play eleven v eleven and just try to play in your own position in FIFA. I remember doing that before games. Um, but then once I got older, like now, I'm, I mean, like I, sh I could definitely lose a few kilos, you know, uh, I don't really have that pace anymore. There. I mean, the young <laughs> kids don't understand it, but when, no, no, no. at a certain um, point, they'll know, they'll know. They'll, get they'll know. Um, so in the Sunday league, I've pretty much been playing a defensive midfielder and a center back. Um, I do talk a lot during the game with my teammates. Um, so I'm always yelling out instructions, even when playing um so i like to see everything in front of me um so especially being like a center back kind of being like a supportive center back in a three or five back um at the back suits me perfectly uh so that's been a lot of fun um when i was been playing that but i feel like i'm just gonna focus on my coaching from now on yeah before we get into that you said um you watched the premier league with your with your father is that why uh you're a chelsea fan like was there a specific yeah. moment that was like this is my team. I mean, yeah, um, I can't really say, I, I kind of want to say that it grew on me because um, I've always liked the blue colors, you know, and yeah. that's why if people, when people ask me why I'm a Chelsea fan, I say because of the colors. Um, and I mean, it, it's all connected with uh, Mourinho coming and he was so charming, you know, and people were in love with him, you know, and he was, he was uh, invincible back then. You know, I mean, he hadn't lost at home in like 10 years, you know, um, and he had this sort of arrogance to him, but he was also winning, which was really, really cool. Um, and I remember when I was growing up, at least Ronaldinho, he was the best player in the world. And then you had Kaká coming on late, coming on later. Um, but back then, I wasn't really when all the kids were trying to imitate a player on this on the school yard in the schoolyard, I, I would try to be the coach. And I, I just wanted to be Mourinho. You know, yeah. so I was playing a lot of football manager. We're talking like even championship manager, 03, 04, when I was like nine, 10 years old. Um, just trying to organize my tactics and sign players. I love that part of the game rather more than playing it. Um, so that's why. And yes, um, that's why I became, became a Chelsea fan. And I also love um, John Terry and Frank Lampard, um, the way they're they've been representing Chelsea. I mean, uh, to me, they will always be the greatest players, you know, because you yeah. have that kind of like connection um, when you're a kid that doesn't really go away. Um, you, it's not like I have that feeling with any of the players in the Chelsea team now, even though you have the likes of Mason Mount, for example. And I love Mason Mount. He's an absolutely fantastic player. Um, but it's just not the same as that you were feeling like when you were a kid and you would see a Lampard score like a free kick from 35 yards out. I think um, 
Yeah, that obviously comes with the territory of growing up with those players. I have the same feeling with Totti and De Rossi. Like, I was lucky to grow up with them. So, like, at the moment, nothing comes near Roma and those guys. Um, but I, my dad didn't grow up with them, but he still has a similar feeling with Totti. So, I think it's just a matter of time. Like if Mount develops yeah. into what he could, maybe one day you'll be like, yeah, this is, like, one of the flags of... Um, I, I mean, like, I would say now he's definitely in the top 10 in the Premier League. Um, yeah, the way he's playing, he's um, he he does all the things um, that you don't think about um, if you don't look at him all the time. And I'm not talking about his work ethic off the ball and stuff like that. I'm talking about his intelligence. He's so so quick, even though he's not really a quick player in that sense. But he's just so skilled in finding the path. I'd love to talk more about that, <laughs> and I'm sure Definitely. we will when we talk about FIFA. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like uh, the way we do it in Oiko, for example, the club that I'm working in, like we don't really work on a game model uh, or anything like that um, in their, when they're kids, you know, because there's no point in doing that. So we try to teach them the game rather than a game model. That's what we say, at least. Um, so we divide it up into three different stages because like in an attack, you want to get behind the defenders, right? That's what you want to do. So you could do this in three ways. You could play through them, you can play around them, and you can play over them. So if you teach the players in all three of these basic like principles in the game, uh, they will start noticing these things even in the Premier League. So if you look at a team coached by Guardiola, for example, they're so good at playing the ball through their opposition to try to get in behind. And if they can't do that, they open up the wide option to try to stretch the team, you know, the, the defense, to then try to play it through. And uh, even leaving the option to play over at all times. But Mason Mount, he's so great at positioning himself, um, being turned like halfway with his shoulder um, behind the, the, um, the midfield, and then turning on his one touch and then accelerating at full speed right away. I think he's... Uh, He's, he's the best player in the Premier League when it comes to that, and that's why he's so skilled. I don't think people notice that, how how much of a tempo he has in his feet. Right, yeah. I mean, in sports in general, there's so much that goes uh, unnoticed. I think the what makes the headlines and the comments and like the conversations is like the tip of the iceberg, which is mm -hmm. why a lot of players are super, super underrated. By the way, I'm seeing comments about... Uh, I, my I, I'm fifth. My idols are Totti and De Rossi. Therefore, I that's why I'm slow. I don't know why this meme has started that I'm slow in football. And also, Totti was not slow. It's just you know, you kids saw him when he was forty years old. So. <laughs> <laughs> I like to see your face when you're forty. You know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, even Slatan Ibrahimovic, he was like a speedy striker, like Very. thin, tall. They don't remember striker. that. That guy was a freak at the yeah. at young ages. Um, yeah. But uh, what I wanted to ask you before I also got into the coaching is because I feel like a lot of people disrespect Mourinho now that he's on a downtrend compared to like his standards. Uh, and I feel like there's factors that contribute to that because now he's struggling. Obviously, he's not getting the results he was when you first fell in love with him. But like, what would you attribute that to? Right. Because he's, he's it's still Mourinho. I think it's a difficult question. Um, I'm... I've been thinking about it a lot. And first of all, I don't share the analysis that he's been failing. You know, um, I definitely, he's not been as dominant as he was in Chelsea, Real Madrid, Inter, uh, and even Chelsea in his second spell. 
and even Man United finishing second with that squad. Europa League win as well. Like, yeah, I mean, absolutely insane. I love that commercial. I don't know if you saw it when he's like, not all great things lead to trophies or something like that. Um, and then he was pointing at the table where um, they finished second. Anyways, um, I think he has uh, he has some difficulties in his leadership. I've been reading a lot of biographies about Mourinho and in the way that he uh, influenced the, the dressing room, the locker room. And um, I do think that there is a different mentality in, in the players these days. Um, and that's something that I see every day is that the players at the very top level today, their number one focus is not at winning football games. I don't think so. I don't think that when Pogba enters the pitch, his number one focus is to win the game. I don't think so. And that's something that you see in a lot of the younger players today, where they feel like succeeding in football isn't necessarily winning. And I think this is a clash with Mourinho because he's the complete opposite. And I think he's having some issues, you know, kind of bonding with um, with these players of the new generation. I think that's one thing. People might say that he's tactically, you know, he's a tactical dinosaur. I don't think that's the case. Um, but I do think that he um, he's had a hard time adapting, obviously, as the offensive players have gone so much better even in the past 10, 15 years. Uh, so it's, it might be too difficult to defend your way because the tempo is so much higher. You know, if you turn on a game that was being played 15 years ago, let's say you watch Porto Men, Men United from 2004 or whatever, right? Um, you're going to notice a significant difference in the quality of the game. So I do think that the game in itself has changed a lot and the defensive players are so much better. And to be playing the way that Mourinho has been, he's been a very offensive coach in Real Madrid, in Inter, and even in, in Chelsea. You might not always see that in the Champions League, but his teams have always been scoring a lot of goals. And when you when you have players that are better offensively, it's difficult to not concede as much. Uh, it's difficult to defend, not to concede uh, as few goals as Chelsea were, for example back in his first spell so that's what i think no yeah that's a that's a good point especially for someone like him who i think he depends a lot on his relationship with his players if he can't bridge the gap between like the changes in the generation and how uh yeah. the new players because uh, he i think he said that publicly multiple times like he, he talked I, i've seen him say you know when he was coaching lampard he was a man at 23 you know and now he's yeah. 23 year olds are there so it's like it's harder for him for him to get there but i imagine that's yeah but also... i mean exactly and that's why i think it's difficult to be even a leader in a dressing room today and why you need to scout so much more than you think um you might want to find old team... souls you know what i mean yeah you know, i mean like to a coach you would love to have a player as frank lampard and if you think back about it like that old chelsea team was all winners you know all they cared about was winning and if yeah. you look back, look back at Sir Alex Ferguson and his success, it all came down to the the, um, the loyalty and their mentality. And those players today are clashing with the new generation who I think care more about their own brand. I would even call like put Stefan Ibrahimovic in there. He cares more about his personal brand than winning, but he still performs, you know. But so does Pogba. But having a team like that is going to be difficult if you have players who care more about other things than winning 
And especially when they don't care about being skilled defensively. We talk a lot about this, at least in Oikua. Um, when we're looking at our 14, 15-year-olds, if do we really think that they see defending as a skill? I don't think that they do. And do we think that they see feel like they can be successful in their defending? And I think that's a huge problem um, where we lack a lot of quality when it comes to our defending, at least in Sweden. I mean, we're one of the most defensive nations I know, but we could be so much better. I feel like the focus in general in football, even at a very, very top, top, top level, is not where it should be. Fair enough. And obviously, you will be able to relate more than most to any coach because if people didn't know, you have your UEFA A license coach, correct? Yeah. That's yeah, that's crazy because I was curious. I was like, what does this mean? So I started snooping around and these are pretty impressive qualifications. I mean, first things first, how do you how do you even get to be a UEFA A licensed coach? Okay, so the way it works is at least in Sweden, I mean uh, most of the European countries have the same system. Uh it's called UEFA A B C. Um so what you what you do first is you get your UEFA C license, which is basically your very basic, like, okay, don't yell at the kids. Try not to, you know, throw throw-ins for 90 minutes when you're having a practice. It's just a useless waste of time, you know? Yeah. But the the FA, the Swedish FA, they can charge money for it to the club. So they'll take it. And the clubs, they want, you know, educated coaches on paper, at least. Um, and then you can get the FAB license um which is uh, still a very basic level and then you have the advanced level so i was using the i, w- I went to school uh you, during the old system in sweden so you have like the basic and then the advanced so i was actually studying at our um what do you call it like our athletic university here or college so I was studying for a year and we would do it every wednesday for like eight hours uh, just football. So we were playing and then we had some theory and then you would get your license afterwards, which is a shortcut because in most countries in Europe, this is really difficult, like even getting the chance to get, UFA, get that kind of a license. So the FIA is the second highest license that you can have as a coach. Um, so the next one that I'm aiming to get is the pro license, but I think um, only like 24 coaches a year. Uh, get the chance to do that in Sweden. So I've told wow. myself since I started, like, I want to try to get it from 30, um, turning 27 this year. So it's looking uh, it's looking tough, but um, we'll see. <laughs> it's a goal I have, at least. That's crazy. And now you said, uh, I think it was, I don't know, yeah, it might have been off stream, but you're coaching in the bracket of 13 to 15. Now, I also have a friend mm-hmm. in real life who um, has done a lot of coaching. He played at a very high level when he was uh, younger, but then he transitioned into coaching later on. He personally says, oh, no, I much rather like coach 15 and above. How are you with that? Do you find yourself easier to coach with uh, the kids when they get a little bit older and they're a bit more serious, or are you fine with like any age group? I mean, uh, working with 13, 14-year-olds is probably the most difficult thing you can do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, they they have so much going on. There's so much status within the group, you know, and um, they they start questioning stuff, you know, like if you're coaching 10, 11 year olds, so you love coming down. They're happy all the time. They talk to you. They're happy to see you. A 13 year old will not look you in the eyes, you know, when he comes down, he will just 
spread negative energy everywhere. You know, that's what a 13 year old is like. And that's what I was like when I was 13, 14 as well. Um, so it's a really difficult age. But what I do like about it is that you can kind of shape them. Um, there's still plenty, plenty to learn. They're still, um, they're past their technical golden age. But that's where you start, you know, training game sense and uh, tactics. And um, I love being in that age and trying to, you know, see some of uh, the new talents coming forward. And especially, you know, the teams that you're playing against, you don't have to use that advanced tactics to get a lot, um, to get a lot uh, out of advantages in the game. So I like coaching that age, but I obviously want to progress in the future. But I feel like I'm 26 right now and I'm not, I'm not in a hurry. Um, I definitely want to be, you know, at the highest level within coaching. I mean, I've, I'm going to try to win the Champions League one day. I like, that's what I'm actually trying to do. That's my goal. Um, I mean, you live once. <laughs> you can. Yeah. You only, get, you only get one shot at it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take it. Um, so what I'm doing right now is perfectly fine for me. Um, I'm learning a lot from the club. And it's, um, I, I get to work like 50% as a coach. And then I have FIFA for the rest if I want to, where I can work as much as I want to. But even like um, this morning, for example, like we had a full pitch and you get to work with players, you get to prepare everything, set everything up for 90 minutes and just give it all for 90 minutes. And then you come home, give an interview like this, and then we have another session tonight. Um, so I just love it. You know, it's a privilege to be working with football. You know, you don't really get this opportunity everywhere. Yeah, no, for sure. I think it's something a lot of people could be interested in, but don't even know how to get into uh, which is a perfect time to, I think a viewer asked, what would your typical training session look like with uh, the oldest, uh, oh, um, I guess, group? Yeah, I think I can explain it again. Um, but as we want to, it doesn't really matter what age, you know, like, <sighs> I can tell them all sorts of things on a board. You know, when we get out on the pitch, it's completely different and they have to make decisions in a microsecond. So you need to work, be working with principles, right? So the principles that we're using is to try to get them behind the, the opposition. We want to do that through playing through, over, and around. And our first priority should obviously be to try to play it through and be in a central position. And then we can try to play it around. And then our third option should probably be to play it over. Um, but playing it over could be a really good thing, especially if they're pressing really high up. You want to put it over and in behind. But so what I try to do is um, I focus the defensive part of the game and the offensive part in the same drill. So let's say you're starting off with a rondo. You um, you have six players, or let's say we have nine players in a rondo. You split them into three teams. Uh, one team is pressing. So remember what I was talking about when it came to be feeling successful in defending so what i do is that i only award the defensive team points so you're not getting any points through just passing the ball around in the rondo but um if you, you get two minutes to win the ball as many times as you can so i want to teach the kids that they can be successful in defending and i want them to be working hard for it as well so I give them a chance to defend for two minutes, get the ball as many times as they can in two minutes. And if the uh, offensive team is playing the ball through the three defenders in the rondo, uh, the, um, I reset the points. So I would do that for like maybe 15 minutes and then um, try to work on a, on a, in a game pretty much, like a, a smaller game, maybe 3v3, 4v4s with different 
what we call constraints in the game. So similar things, you know, um, if you don't turn on your first touch, uh, you have to, to play back to the defender. So let, let's say you're coming to face the ball as a midfielder. If you don't turn on your first touch, you just knock it back off. And um, yeah, stuff like that. And then use the same principles in a bigger game later on in the session. So a lot of playing time um, with having the bigger principles in mind. No, sounds great. Sounds great. So you obviously have a lot in, in real life coaching, love of the game when you were young, played football, um, but also played FIFA. In those games, or in those days, which shaped um, who you are today, was there any hint of Pez? Because a lot of people played Pez a lot. Did you, were yeah. you a lover of the old school ones? I played the four, five, and six. Um, great games. <laughs> I mean, we all mentioned Adriano from PES 6, right? <laughs> uh, but even Henri on, I think it was PES 5 with John Terry and Henri on the cover. Um, great players, great games as well. I mean, I can't really say that I was analyzing the game a lot back then. Uh, you just had but I definitely enjoyed it. I just had fun with it. I played against my brother a lot. I mean, we would have... We would have games, Man United against Chelsea, you know. Uh, he was a Man United fan, I was a Chelsea fan, and both teams pretty much being in their prime. Um, always with that battle going on on PES, so I love that. This was before online gaming, so, I mean, I didn't really have any friends who loved video games as much as I did. Um, they liked football or video games, but never both of them. <laughs> so yeah. uh, <laughs> that was a, kind of a weird mix. Um, but yeah, love the pest. Yeah, because I was going to ask you um, if you were, because now obviously you have reached like the peak of level, especially depending on the year more than others. But I was going to ask you if you were the best amongst your friends. But I mean, did yeah. you, because you, you were? <laughs> yeah. Just naturally? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I was always pretty good and I was always so competitive. I mean, like I couldn't, I think one of the reasons that I'm really, really good at FIFA in most video games is that I really can't stand losing. I get so <laughs> mad. I, like, I, I know a lot of people say that they can't stand losing, but like this is another level. I just hate it so, so much. And I mean, <laughs> coming with that background, I would just always analyze my mistakes after a game. You know, even back in like FIFA 08, 9, 10, you know, 11. Even though it was a super competitive back then, you know, just having fun online and playing head-to-head games uh, was a lot of fun. But it was back in, like, FIFA 12. Um, that's when the season started, and we started getting the skill ba- skill-based matchmaking online with the divisions. So I just Googled, you know, like, FIFA tournament, Stockholm, where I live, you know. And um, I saw that there was going to be, like, a Swedish championship. So... Uh, I tried it, and I lost in the semifinal eventually that year in FIFA 12. Guess against who? <laughs> I mean, it's uh, the uh, the old school. It's either Skoldi or Boris. It was Boris, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think Skoldi, he tried it out, but he didn't get through to the playoffs. So I lost against Boris. He was playing a 5-2-1-2. He was playing around with Oh, no. He was playing five at the back. <laughs> All right. Yeah, he was doing it way before he was cool. <laughs> and he, he had Iguain as his right wing back. And he has someone really weird. I think it might have been Kayakon as his left wing back. And then he was using Pepe Ramos and 
Ken, maybe it was Contrao. I can't remember. Anyways, wing <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wingback. So you can mention that next time you, you talk to them. Um, but I was playing Chelsea, and this was the year that Chelsea won the Champions League. I mean, the team was shit in FIFA, though. Like, if I would have been playing Real Madrid, I think I would have beaten him. But I lost in the semifinal against him. And then it just kept on going from there. And I used to play a lot on Virgin Gaming, um, which was a site where you pretty much uh, play for money. And you would have a rank on the page. And back then, there weren't really that many great FIFA players, even in Europe. So you would just bet money against each other. And that triggered you even more to get better because I was going through, like, um, high school and even the university during this time, and I made quite a lot of money just through cash games back then. Head-to-head cash games. No pay-to-win, nothing like that. Just a lot of fun, you know, and it really helped you develop because you, you were always focusing and always analyzing everything so you could make more money, right? Um, so that's probably... I was probably at my peak around there. FIFA 13, 14, 14. I, I would definitely say I can't see anyone else being better than me than I was at that game. I was so damn good on FIFA 14. And then I think the PS4 came and FIFA 15. That's kind of when it kind of died out in Sweden. FIFA 16 too, no tournaments. I wasn't really playing that much. Um, just a few tournaments and then for Champions came in FIFA 17. And I noticed that I was finishing like top 25 every weekend. And I was like, I was ready to give my FIFA career up, you know, because uh, there were no tournaments. And then it's when EA started, you know, yeah. stepping up. And I finished second in the world in the November month, I think. Yeah. So I qual- qualified for Paris as one of, I think we were 16 players in total, but only 12 players went through uh, in the leaderboard. So you have to be top 12 monthly yeah. in your region to get through. And then I came to Paris and number one, two, three on the leaderboard got seated in the same group. Yeah. So it was me, what was it called? Um, he was called Bruma by then. What's it called? Aigun, you know, the mm-hmm. Dutch player. And then Chian, German player, who eventually won the entire thing on PlayStation. And then you had the French PS4 champion that won like a wild card to the tournament. Uh, four of us in one group, best in one game. Uh, you got to play three games. You started at 8 in the morning in Paris. And then 45 minutes later, I was knocked out. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, such a crazy format. People are complaining th- these days about, you know, the format. It was it was so bad back then. Um, yeah, and then I qualified for Munich and stuff. But, I mean, then FIFA 18 came. and I, I just hated that game. And that's when it started going downhill, right? For sure. Dude. I remember those 17 tournaments because I really, really had fun watching them. But I always thought, like, yo, this is harsh. Like, you fly all the way here and you have, like, a World Cup style. It's like the World Cup in football. You play your opponent once, but it's 90 minutes. Like, you know, it's a lot more in real life. You have 50-minute games, best of one. I was like, this is terrible, man. Especially the playoffs, man. Everyone who made it out of those and made it to the playoffs, it was the same format in playoffs. Imagine getting to the playoffs and you get knocked out in 45 minutes in the group. No, man. It was crazy. And especially, like, I lost the first game 2-1 because he scored two goals on corners. And the second one, he scored in the 92nd minute. And I lost the first game in a group stage. You know, it's pretty much over unless you win two other games. So because of those two corners, I mean, it cost me a lot of money and probably, you know, prestige and possibly even contracts. 
you know a lot um, of clout those tournaments blew people up like i've never seen yeah um it was um it was a lot of fun though going there but i definitely felt like i was a lot better than my results um in that tournament i failed to qualify for the spanish um the one in madrid i think it was madrid that year it was barcelona yeah. maybe it was madrid I know, it was madrid yeah i was one win away and i think i lost like six games on penalties that month um which was kind of <laughs> harsh too um but during the meantime, I became a Swedish, no, a Scandinavian champion too, uh, yeah. beating great players. Um, so that was probably uh, the peak of my career. Um, it was really, really good back then. It was a lot of, I had a lot of fun playing, you know, and there was a lot of traveling that year. I got to go to Vancouver. Uh, it was very exclusive. I think it was me, Boras, and Mike and Agge. We went to Vancouver, the four of us. Um, before FIFA 18. And if you did not like FIFA 18, you should have seen the game in this alpha stage. If somebody <laughs> lifted um, a through ball, like an L1 triangle ball, you could not sprint with your defender. Oh, so yeah. you would just pass it over to your striker and he would have like outrun the defender because you couldn't sprint. And I was like, hey, hey guys, we got this problem here. You know, <laughs> I can't sprint <laughs> with my defender. And they were like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll take a look at that, you know. Um, so it's, uh, it's a mess. You know, like when you go down and you play the versions, like alpha versions of the game, the game is so broken that you don't even have time to talk about the foundation, the basics of football that are not in the game, <laughs> you know. Uh, there's just so much to say about the game, um, but they want you to be looking for bugs, and they just have this very different vision to what FIFA should be uh, than most of us who uh, are thinking about the game do. Yeah, how, how was? Um, I mean, I don't know how much you can say, but like, how was that experience in general of going to Vancouver? Nice place, and then like, was it? Because um, you mentioned that was it actually satisfying to like help, or was it more? Like you said, because you can't even get to the nitty-gritty of what you want to talk about, it was a bit frustrating to sort of uh, play it's that a, early it's version. A, it's amazing. I mean, I'm very grateful to get the opportunity to do that. Um, it's frustrating and nice at the same time, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. I love to hear about everything, but I do realize at the same time that I don't have any power whatsoever to change this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, it's, all down, it's all coming down to... Um, how good I am at debating this and my opinion is worth as much as any random person who is buying the game because they want to make money <laughs> and which is, which is not that great. So like, I remember when they told me before I went there again, before FIFA 20 with a lot of other game changers, you know, and they were saying like, Hey, uh, we want to try to slow the gameplay down a little bit. We want it to be more realistic. That's mm -hmm. their approach to the game. I mean, I don't want to say too much, but th their mentalities, they want it to be very realistic. But I'm like, yeah, you can do that all you want when it comes to the tempo, but you're, people are still finishing first post and they have been for the last four years. So don't come here and say that you want this game to be a real realistic and people are still finishing first post. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And nobody's even mentioning, I haven't seen anything on Twitter this year about anyone criticizing first post finishing, for example. It's one of the biggest problems in the game right now. That's why it's impossible to be defending most of the time. 
I mean, like, I don't care about the AI blocks and stuff. I mean, that happens in real life. You shoot in front of a defender, he's going to block it most of the time. But a, a shot in the first pose should not go in. It's easy yeah. as that. It's, there's a lot of angles, and I remember how upset I was about it last year. Um, yeah, before FIFA 20, right? Oh, yeah, dude. Because, yeah. like you said, it changes the, the scope of, of defending to a level that is... Um, unimaginable but i think a lot of people don't mention it because they don't view it as um an actual like sport of football it's like get the ball in there that's the video game right and i find it funny because you know they want to slow the game and make it realistic which is fair enough that's their target to make the best simulation they can but the irony of the matter is that um because a lot of people tell me stallion what do you want arcade or a simulation and i'm like it's not black or white because at the end of the day we used to have more arcadey games in terms of speed and just the feel but they had they were more realistic in execution these games yeah. might be slower but the execution of what you need to do is more arcade than it's ever been so i exactly. feel like <laughs> we, it's, it's not about it's yeah. not about it's not about that like people are focusing on animations oh you should not be shooting that way like it's not about that it's about like is this a good position to be shooting you're, you're turned the wrong way and you're shooting first post nobody's even saying anything about that um we're talking about like passes going straight through the midfield like the ai is absolutely ignoring it and then everyone's like ai defense is op no it's not you know they're useless when it comes to intercepting passes and and stuff and as you're saying you know even though the animations might look worse back in fifa 17 for example it's just way more realistic in the way that it plays because you couldn't just bang it in the first post a goalkeeper would save it which led to the defending being a very different to what it is right now and just that sole reason makes fifa 17 a whole lot more realistic than fifa 21 just because of that tiny little thing it could be patched you could patch it right now and fifa 21 would change so much for sure um in those years because obviously the game was um a lot faster so up at even in your your peak obviously you said you had a couple of peaks the nordic championship might have been like you would say your biggest achievement but arguably potentially you could have won something even bigger in 14 if there was like the actual like format yeah. if you were that like you know because a lot of people have way more opportunities now um yeah. and back then it was a lot different as you described it as well. What what kind of um, formations were you running? Were you running anything different? Boris, you said, had the five at the back those days. Were you running, like, uh, I don't know. I think FIFA 12, I was running with Diamond. Um, yeah. It was a ping pong game. Uh, it was yeah. very, very um, good to be doing that. You also had the speed glitch back then, um, which you would call crab walking now, but it worked very differently back then because you would get such a speed boost that you wouldn't be able to stop the player. So if you crab walk one way and then you went that way, it was impossible to stop that player. So if you had a player like Cristiano Ronaldo, there was no, there was no way you were going to stop him. Um, and then, yeah, I was playing that formation sometimes, even in FIFA 13. But then I went with 4-2-3-1, as most players did. Uh, and even the 4-3-3 uh, offensive the four formation. Three, yeah. Yeah. It's very similar. Um, and then in FIFA 17, I was playing with the Christmas tree. I love um, that one. I love that formation. It was, it was so, much. so nice, especially with Team of the Modric in the middle. Yeah, uh, it was amazing. I uh, love that formation uh, back then. I even played it when I got my 
30 and 0 this year on my road to glory. Um, I first, remember, yeah. No, I think it was the second week and I played that formation. But I mean, it's 43 1. These days, it's 4 4 2. I n- I've never liked that formation, but Same. it's just, I just get so, pro- like, <laughs> I don't even know where to start when I see the 4 4 2 working out the way it's being played in FIFA 21 because it doesn't make any sense whatsoever the way people are playing it. It's just so stupid. A four four two possession based game. Yeah, yeah. We just pass it back to the defense. Oh my god. I don't even know where to start. And then one of the worst things about this game is the way it's just man marking. You know, I know I've mentioned this to you before, you know, past two games or even three games, the game has kind of turned into this man marking system. Whereas in the older games you would feel the zonal difference. So in some of the clips that I've been uploading on twitter you could see like my player just running out of nowhere just to try to mark someone it doesn't make any sense whatsoever i want my four at the back i want it to be very solid i don't want them to move unless i move them myself and it just doesn't work that way because it's such a man man marking system and for example if you play if you try to counterattack and you play the ball to your striker and you're in a 2v2 situation right so one player would run all the way back to your goalkeeper and one would press the ball holder. They're like 30 yards apart, the center backs. The center backs. So you can't play through to the striker because the AI is going to mark your runner in behind and you're just putting pressure on this guy. And you can't get out of the pressure because there's no skill move to create any space for yourself whatsoever um, anymore. It's just so stupid, this entire system. you know, Just pushing up with a center back while the other one drops. doesn't make any sense. It's it's spot on, and it's why you know everything plays into each other. You know, I make a lot of videos on like things that I think are wrong, but like I said before, the only reason I ma- I keep it to one topic per video is for visibility purposes. Just yeah. to because if I, I put that. everything, it would be like too comp. Like if I said this is what I want to change, yeah. but a lot of people always say, "Oh, but you say this, but not that." I was like, oh, "Of course, it goes without changing. You have to change seven things." But yeah. I'm doing this to get uh, as many views as possible because otherwise you wouldn't care. Uh, so. And the man marking, the zonal feel, that that's that plays into the meta, right? You don't have second man press, so you can't. The guy with the ball has so much power, and the guy with the ball knows that eventually your defense is gonna go haywire. And I had I had a clip where they like they don't switch. It's they don't even need to switch. They just need to stay where they are. And like you said, I'll move you. That's why the four three two one. One of the reasons was much more usable in seventeen because you felt compact because. Of the zonal defend. Now you play four three two one. Your left center mid and right center mid are playing with the fullback. You're like, you feel naked at the back. You know, yeah. it's like, what are you gonna do? It's it's uh, it, it completely changes the scope. And everything plays into uh, that four four two. That's why you play four four two possession, four two three one yeah. possession, four one two one two possession. It's all possession because you just play for the rig. You just hold the and ball until the you opening. Do that. You're just waiting for an AI mistake. That's all you're doing. And people are trying to call this game competitive. You know, and you can practice as much as you want, but when you're sitting there and you're playing a top tier game and the AI is making a mistake for you or you can't even move your players because the connection is so bad, what are you going to do? You can practice all you want. You can't get that away from the game. Yeah, I was going to ask you this later, but might as well do it now. Um, In terms of um, when the new game changes, right? Every year, because a lot of people... Uh, go up and down depending on the game because it makes sense every game as now like uh, has a lot of differences and so 
it's not like the game of football, which, yeah, you can have changes in how football is played 15 to 20 years ago, but someone who's good is going to be good, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you take a Lampard, he's good every era. It's just, he's good at football. There's a lot more things that uh, will never change. Whereas FIFA 17 to 18 to 19 to 20 to 21, there's a lot of paradigm shifts. I know a lot of people like to say that uh, the top, top pros will always win. And I think to an extent that's true. But as someone at that level, what's your take on when the game changes? Do you think that there are things that lead to a paradigm shift in who's better and who's worse? I mean, I, I think it's easy. Like when you look back at my career, Back then, it used to take gears to get great at the game because we're talking about like game sense, we're talking about speed, we're talking about unpredictability. And right now, you're seeing so many players just coming out of nowhere. I have a teammate, uh, Tom Dysett. He's one of the best players in Europe. He's finishing like top 40 in every qualifier on Xbox. He plays for all equal. And a year ago, he wasn't even a goal one player. A year ago. Four months later, he gets 119 out of 120 in the weekend. We're talking a three or four months from not even being a goal one player into winning pretty much every game in the weekend league. And I think that tells you a lot. And you see all these new players coming from absolutely nowhere. And they're just doing so great in the tournaments because they've learned one skill move or because they've, they've learned how to press uh, down on a touchpad and then left in the, with the right timing. It's stupid. It's, it just didn't used to be that way. It used to be about skill and just micromanaging everything quick. Um, I mean, the player switching, we haven't even talked about how they completely ruined it in FIFA 19. I think a lot of people have forgotten about how great the player switching used to be. It's absolutely terrible right now. And I think it's just because it's so easy to get good at the game. So you see new players all the time. Even Tex isn't even in the top tiers anymore. You know, It's not because he's a shit FIFA player. It's because game changes and the younger players have a lot of easier time learning the new technical things because fifa used to be a tactical game it used to be about movement passing um and making the right decisions today it's about a tech it's about tech technique you know how good are you using the stick and you know using the right skill moves you see like two skill moves a game in real life you see two minutes a minute in the game stupid yeah i saw i saw I saw a goal. Um, I don't remember who scored it, but the Ila Liga, you know, they post highlights. It ended up on my timeline. This guy scored a goal from uh, the byline with R9, and he did like five or six canceled croquetas in a row to, <laughs> to get there. Zero passes in this play. So he starts, it just goes around, around, and back. And then he has the angle to shoot. And um, I think that speaks volumes to the younger generation. All the comments were like, oh, that's insane. What are you doing? And I'm like, look, I'm not saying my opinion is better than yours or that or that. I'm just saying I come from a different time, so I'm not going to be impressed uh, by that. And I understand there's a generational switch shift. And a lot of these kids are coming into these games having only played these games, right? And um, it's one thing to add mechanical skill gap. I think like, you know, a game like Fortnite... Uh, on PC as well, which I know you played a lot of the year you took a break uh, from FIFA. Yeah. There's a huge mechanical skill gap in that, right? Um, That's a technical game. It's very different. It, very technical. But even once you get that skill, it doesn't mean anything if you don't execute it. You know, you can be the best, yeah. the fastest builder, but there's still an element of that. I think FIFA used to be great because, like, w- when you play a game like chess, right? Chess, pff, disgusting skill ceiling, skill gap, ability, but 
it doesn't take a very skilled surgeon to move a pawn, right? No. Like it's it's not mechanical skill. It's, it's intelligence. It's decoys. It's, it's outsmarting. Game. And so there was a lot of tactical aspect to FIFA, and it's gone. And that's why you say um, it takes less to be good at this game because you don't need the game sense. You need the execution of certain yeah. skill moves after you get yourself in a position which is already very easy to get in, um, which is why I don't understand the point that a lot of people say that age matters in FIFA. I mean... It does and it doesn't. Like now it does, right? Yeah. Because now if you're younger, you don't know all the things that we, you know, practice yeah. at home. You, you have years. the advantage of being young today. Yeah, but it, it, people make it out like if you're too old, you're done, you know? Can't no, touch it's it. not about that. But it's, <laughs> it, it, it's more like... So I wanted to see your take as well on the whole age thing. Nah. Yeah, I think that's so interesting because like Tom, the teammate Isaac that I was telling you about, he was he was watching my stream when I got thirty out of thirty, and he was like, "It's so interesting to watch you play because you're it doesn't look like you're good, you know." And what he means by that is, I'm not abusing any skill moves. I'm not abusing any other thing. Like he, he said, like I can't really pinpoint what you're good at, and I think that says a lot about his perspective on the game. I'm not saying he's wrong, you know, but like I'm playing against them in their game. I mean, it's a technical game. I'm still playing my tactical side. So I think it's amazing just getting a 30 just by passing. I mean, Incredible. Sometimes, sometimes I, even with Immobile up front, you know? Yeah. And I mean, sometimes uh, I'll, I'll be lucky and just do something with my right stick. It's not on purpose, but I score a goal, you know? Um, but it's just based on passing and pressing, even though the game is doing everything in its power to just, um, to just uh, force me not to and just head into a uh, technical side of the game, but it's just so different. And I don't think that a lot of people see this, but it's also, you know, it's a, it's an easy come, easy go situation. Yeah. You, you can get through really, you can get really far in a tournament, you know, uh, in FIFA 21 now by learning to step over. Oh, they patched it. You're not in there anymore. You know? So, I mean, I think we're going to be seeing a lot of, um, you know, shifts, at the top and we're still seeing that i think it's just one player who's gone into the top six in every in every uh qualifier so far i think that says a lot about the game you know for sure um i find it that how do i put this um ah maybe that's uh, an off stream comment but <laughs> what i also found interesting about your story is that you took a break in FIFA 18. I remember when you did that, I was jealous in the sense that like, <laughs> um, I wanted to do that because yeah. to have the balls to do that when you love to do what you do is crazy because um, you then came back and, you know, you, you fought through 19, 20, and 21, which, you know, haven't really been improvements either. But you stepped away from that game in a time where we were coming off of not a perfect game, but a fun game, right? And yeah. you were the one, the first one to do it. Like you're like, nope, this is not, this is not good enough for me. Um, but why do you think people keep going back to pre-patch FIFA 18 as the best of all time? Because I see this all the time. Every oh my day. god, it was it was absolutely horrible. I don't know what people are talking about. Like pre-patch FIFA 18 was absolutely horrible. It was like the worst shit I've ever played in my life. <laughs> It was so bad. Like every game finished 10 9. Oh, it's because you can't defend. <laughs> no. 
just because the game was shit. <laughs> you know, it was useless. It was the worst shit I've ever played. And people say the FIFA 18 pre-patch was a ghost. It was a good game. Wow. I like. It's just. I don't even know. I don't even that know. That was. Style. That was the beginning of uh, the changing of the paradigm, and the the the, the, the actual yeah. um, game sense was still kind of there, but that was a big shift. And actually, if someone told me if they watched me, um, I don't see why you're good. At first, like in the past, I would have been like, "Yo, what the hell, bro?" But now I would be like, <laughs> "I'd be happy, right?" Because in my head, I'm like, "That's yeah. right. You can't copy this. Like, you can't exactly. be like, exactly. oh yeah, yeah. They, like what? Because a lot of people." Um, I got a lot of comments now on YouTube saying you're scoring goals by passing the ball. <laughs> like, they're all confused. Uh, but what is the sorcerer? <laughs> <laughs> you're not doing the bridge, and you you don't just get the ball to the striker and spam a skill to get the half yard every single time. And it's like, yeah, I don't do that. I score 120 goals a weekend doing that. I get zero free. Uh, I don't get zero free goals, but like the percentage is very different. I remember that video we uh, we did. Um, together sort of on my channel you sent me your clips and it was the yeah. whole how many are good how many are bad like that's the the percentages of free of the red goals that i would get i get this year compared to others are just like so low and it also comes down to like if you don't play 442 you don't get free goals like the turn and shoot yeah. It, it, yeah. it's crazy i um, mean uh it's a crazy game it's a crazy game crazy times i mean that's why like i've tried to step, take a step, step back from competing i still love competing in our national league and we were actually i lost a pen the deciding penalty shootout in the e-club world cup we were so out teamed and in the deciding game it went to a penalty shootout and we pretty much lost because i, I was shooting in the middle and he his goalkeeper was saving it with his feet while he was yeah. going the other way complete bullshit you know we were so close to being, being top 14 in, in Europe, which is crazy to me, but I'm trying to take a step back because content creation is more fun. And I'm not talking about sitting doing player pick upgrades for three hours and opening other gold three rewards because that not, that's not content. That's just boring. That's a waste of time. You know, doing stuff in the game. We're talking gameplay stuff. That's a lot of fun still, yeah. you know, and that's why I love playing this game, but it's definitely not the same thing anymore. I don't know anyone who was playing two years ago, not even two years ago that we were all my friends. We were still playing FIFA. No one's playing it anymore. They all, they all quit in November this year. They're like, no, I'm not taking another year of this shit. You know? Yeah. What do you think um, is harder becoming a pro FIFA player or content creation? Content creation for sure. Cause you have to have a personality to do yeah. that. You know, you need to uh, you need to do something nobody else is doing and becoming a good FIFA player is just the opposite. It's just try to copy what other people are doing uh, these days. That's <laughs> <laughs> the way it is. True. Um, weird question because it's not easy to make it so black and white, but a lot of people think this way because that's what they have, right? They see like, oh, yeah, these are the ranks. We got gold, silver, elite. And I stand here, right? And and that's how they, yeah. they, they view the game. But if you have to view it that way, do you think there is a baseline level you have to be to be good enough to be a pro? For example, if you're not gold one by 16, forget about it. Is there, do you, would you measure it in any way like that? Nah, I mean, um, I can go back to the Tom example. He wasn't yeah. in gold one a year ago, you know? And yeah, he, uh, he's uh, one of the very best players in the world right now, um, which says a lot about the game so i wouldn't be too worried um but i mean like 
I'm not saying that in everyone can become a great FIFA player, yeah. but it's all about abusing mechanics. And if you put down enough time into it, you're going to become an, at least a top hundred player. I'm not saying you're going to be winning the World Cup, but getting <laughs> yeah. to the top two hundred is that's I mean it's no problem if you practice enough. What would you tell if, if there's like a young kid interested, like I want to become a pro FIFA player, I want to become get into FIFA esports? What would you say? I would strongly advise them not to. There's no money. <laughs> Um, it's all corrupt. Uh, the game is shit. You know, the community is toxic. I wouldn't recommend it, but I mean, it's a lot of fun at times too. <laughs> <laughs> True. I mean, if you get the perfect amalgamation of that fun experience, I feel like, uh, it's an unrivaled feeling of motivation to be like, let's, let's see what we can do. I mean, like I, w- I used to be playing a lot of Starcraft back in the days. And I had a friend in high school, and he was playing StarCraft, so I wanted to try it with him. And I just loved playing a game like that, which is 100% skill-based. Have you ever played StarCraft? I haven't, but I, I used to watch people play it, like, in my school. Oh, okay. it, yeah, but it's, um, it's, a, it's an amazing esports. FIFA is a terrible esports, because it's very AI-based, you know? In StarCraft, you have the best player in, in the world, and you could clearly see why he was winning a game. That's not what it's like in FIFA. And that's why I don't advise you to get into FIFA because I was saying you can practice as much as you want. You can be practicing all of your skill moves and all of that. But then it all comes down to your connection in the game. And if you're lucky, you could get a penalty. I don't know, or a lucky bounce, you score a corner, whatever. And that's going to stop you from achieving what you want. Especially like, as I was saying, you know, just two weeks, two, three weeks ago, we lost the chance to be top 14 in Europe because of a penalty shootout. Come on, you know? I think at that point, it's just like, I would do at least, even golden goal would be a little bit better than penalties at that point. Yeah, especially it's, in, it's, a game. in esports, come on, penalties. It's like, I feel Crazy. like there's uh, this notion that there's a bigger skill gap now in penalties because of head movement um, and all this stuff. Head but... movement is not a skill gap if everyone knows about it. <laughs> it's not a skill gap. Well... And it's more random than it used to be because you could be aiming 90% of your circle within the goal and then the AI decides that you will miss it and hit the post. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. You could be lucky and unlucky in penalties too. It's just not a skill gap-based game, you know? But, I mean, it's more entertaining for the few players who actually watch the esports. You know, I don't know if you felt that way too, but it feels like the interest for tournaments from the average crowd this year has just vanished. Um, I don't know if because they're not doing events anymore, but something has definitely happened. I mean, I think the peak of event interest was Tex FIFA 18, but that was only because FIFA 17 was, in my opinion, a success yeah. relative to everything exactly. else in the Foot Champs era. So it was, it was like riding the high. Right, yeah. but the gameplay was actually worse, which is why, in my opinion, there was less interest in nineteen. Now you could tell me about viewership all you want, but the qualitative approach tells me that drops were not enabled on EA Sports streams in FIFA seventeen no. and eighteen. People were watching out of pure curiosity, right? Yeah, and I mean, thing, people would watch that in FIFA seventeen because they wanted to get better. They wanted to see what the pros were doing, you know, to be and that. And you feel. You, why you feel so hard done by by the format that didn't even give you a fair shot at succeeding is because the clout you got out of a great FIFA 17 performance made careers. I remember Prince of A had like 800 Twitter followers. 
wins yep. that flies to 10k you win yep. the guy the last italian guy who just won the thing is still below a thousand followers yeah like people people have stopped no caring one, no one cares it's yep. just nobody cares and i feel bad for the you know if you succeed now and you don't get the reap the rewards but at the same time uh if there's a time where no one should care, it's now. And so personally, on a personal level, I'm like, ah, whatever. It's like... Which is so interesting. I mean, like, especially during Corona now, like, this should have been our shot, uh, you know, developing. And uh, it's just gone the opposite way, you know. Uh, of course, an event is going to make it easier and it's going to create a better production. But, like, people just don't care who's the best at bridging or step overing. It's just not... People care more about, you know building the right squad because that's what FIFA Ultimate Team is about because the gameplay has just become so bad that people don't even want to play the game anymore. People are not playing the game. It's been like that since FIFA 19. You know, the most of the content creation was done in the menus because the game was so boring to play. Well, it wasn't necessarily boring, FIFA 19, but it was horrible to play. Um, it's just shifted the focus, you know, and people just don't care. I agree. I agree completely. And, um, you know, I, I see the other side, the devil's advocates like approach to this is like saying, well, you know, the only reason 17 was better in terms of that hype and culture was because it was the very first one in the foot champs era. But I feel like it wouldn't have lasted that long. Um, you're always going to have the sweats who are interested in every FIFA uh, and that's never going to change. But the difference I saw that year is that if there was a epic game, I remember Principe versus Gorilla. People were talking about, guys, look at who Principe selects in that situation. Look at him playing the 4-3-3 second yeah. variation. What's he doing? Now, it's so easy to see what a lot of these guys are doing. So when someone like me watches, who would be a fan of the eSport, I'm like, okay, like this guy's obviously good at this and that and a bunch of these fundamentals, but I know the ceiling for those fundamentals is low and the difference in his gameplay is that he's canceling all these moves He's just creating, yep. he's doing these. So it's like, I'm not interested. So how are you going to get someone interested who wants to play? And that's why somebody like Kurt can become so big because he, he represents that difference from the other players. Because today, all the players are, they're all pretty much the same. They're all super polite and they say bro on Twitter after having a conversation for, for like two minutes. And they play, all, they play the same. They don't have anything interesting going on about them. But Kurt had that. You know, he's, he had some sort of personality. He brought some sort of entertainment to the scene. And that's why he's so popular, you know, into a, you know, a very blank scene. That's what he uh, gave us, I suppose, even though he gave me a lot of stick. <laughs> Did he? Oh, my God. There's also... Yeah, I mean, he's, uh, he's uh, I think he's kind of dorky, you know, but I mean, that's why people love him. I think um, as well, what he did well alongside many players, I mean, you do it yourself when you get 30-0 playing a basic style, but that's the thing. When you can see someone get 30-0 pressing the most basic functions, it makes you yeah. wonder, whoa, <laughs> like, what's going on here, right? Because that's like, it kind of reminds me of that. Who Was it Ibra who said what you can do with a football, I can do with an orange or something? Yeah. Like, that's young. what it reminds me. <laughs> yeah. like, like that. So, and that's what I, what I really um, 
what I really miss. On the flip side, though, as a top, when you're when you are a top 100 rank player, how would you describe to someone who's not into FIFA what it's like being top 100 caliber player playing foot champs and losing to a gold player and their reaction being, it's well, it's normal. The Real Madrid can lose to Granada as well. Yeah, what, what, what would you say to that? I mean, I don't even know where to start. You know, it's just a shit game. You know, should have done some proper esports instead. Um, but I mean, where do you even start? You know, like <laughs> of course you should be able to lose against a player if he's out playing you. Yeah, and I hate course. that because whenever I'm uploading, I always get comments like, "Lucas, you never admit that he was the better player because he's not." Because there are like, I don't know, forty players in the world that are better than me at the game. It's very unlikely that I'm going to match them in for champions. I'm sure, yes, they can be even with me, but a gold one player is not going to outplay me in a game of FIFA. It's not going to happen. And if they do win, yes, it's going to be bullshit. Yes, it's going to be a lot of luck. Of course, you know, that's what happens. Yeah, Th things have to fall into place per se. I got those comments a lot too, but, um, you know, it's just stupid. Of course, he's not better than me. Kind of a comment is that just because he wins doesn't mean he's better. If he scores a corner, and that's his one shot, and his goalkeeper saves everything for him. Is he a better player? No, he's not. That's um. Also, I don't, I don't really understand the mentality. Like, I get a lot of comments. Oh, but you scored this, but didn't complain about that goal. And I was like, bro, there's plenty of examples where I'll score a bad goal and I'll say it, or there's plenty of examples where I say nothing when I concede. But a lot of people just. If they say that, it's because they're just there to prove you wrong. They have no other like intention. They're just trying to bring you down. You know, yeah. that's all they yeah, want to yeah. do. And they're not exposing themselves to an opinion whatsoever. Um, we call them skeptics, right? The Roman philosopher. Um, <laughs> they uh, they just want to be there to just question everything without saying anything themselves. You know, and yes, that is an important part of it. But if you're not exposing yourself to any sort of opinion whatsoever you shouldn't be, have the right to be skeptic either what's your take on um educational content on youtube in terms of getting better at fifa do you think it's as useful as people sort of flock to it uh, because people flock to it like it's the second coming of jesus like it's going to transform them and, or and do you also think it makes the game worse like do you think it's made the general population sweatier it doesn't make the game worse. It exposes the game. You know, yeah. if people get good at doing step overs, it just exposes the game to how vulnerable it is to that kind of a skill move. Um, so, no, I, I definitely think that educational uh, content should be on YouTube. You know, just because um, it should all be down to decision making, not about technical stuff. It's just an exposing, we're just exposing the game to why it's horrible, you know? So, whenever Boris is doing a He's pretty much doing a passing tutorial and he's saying, like, you pass with X and then people go crazy. You know, <laughs> uh, he gets like a million views. It's just, yeah, you can do that all you want. But as soon as people start uh, uploading, yes, the step over and stuff, I do understand that people get upset, you know, uh, especially if they're the only ones who are using it. And I mean, this entire five at the back meta going on right now is just exposing the game. You know, if a five at the back is that, you know, effective, something is wrong with the game. For sure. 
with your background, because I, I recently did a, a series which was actually a lot tougher to sort of get going just because you know how YouTube content works, like something that's well thought out is not going to perform as well as other things. But basically I did like, I would, I took a very pragmatic approach to finding the perfect setup for myself in a four through three. And I sort of like tinkered. Do you have anything specific that you do when you find your custom tactics? Like, do you have a set system? Do you like, I need to change this? Like, how do you know when you found a tactic that fits you? Obviously, I know a lot of high level players play pretty balanced, but like, do you never be like maybe long balls with maybe seven or eight? Like, and and what kind of like, how do you decide which instruction to put? Is it just pure trial and error? Um, I mean, I gotta be honest, I've barely changed my tactics since FIFA 19. Um, yeah. I know what kind of game I want to play. I want to play a very narrow style play, and that's pretty uncommon, if anything, that um, makes me different from most pro players. So I think I only have one or two in width um, in attack and even in defense. So I want to be playing a narrow game because I want to be defending in the middle. I want to be attacking in the middle because that's where the goal is. Um, and I mean, other than that, it's just instruction stay forward on my cam. But that's pretty much it. I mean, it doesn't make that much of a difference. Instructions, you know. Um, yeah. And I don't really try out a lot of difference because i think people are mistaken there when it comes to formations and stuff like that usually it's not really about the formation it's about your decision making within the formation so a cam could be playing very differently in a 4-2-3-1 depending on the decisions that you're making rather than the instructions you're putting on them so if if i'm playing a pro game and i'm down one nil i feel like i need to change something I just pause and start thinking, okay, what kind of decisions do I need to change rather than what kind of tactics do I need to change? Um, because, I mean, as you were saying, like the balance tactics are working really, really well this year for most players. Yeah, no, I find that interesting as well because um, the decision-making is everything. Um, but there are moments when I felt like it's not that the tactic made me, but sometimes you just fall on something and you're like, this gives me more solidity. The same way you kind of dropped the 4-3-2-1 and went back to 4-2-3-1. Just because I remember you telling me it just gives you the certainties that the 4-3-2-1 doesn't. Sometimes you find something that just suits you a little bit more relative to the game. So it's always interesting to see. But it's a common denominator is a lot of players at that level always say, yeah, I just play balance, balanced. Yeah, I mean, I play fast build-up and just a narrow style of play because I like to counterattack and use three to four players just to counterattack, and um, I feel like I'm getting the most out of my play style that way. So then you would suggest anyone who is, like, trying to find a tactic rather than copying or, like, tinkering too much, think about what you want, put it in there, and then just sort of... Kind of, yeah. To keep it? Yeah, but it's all about the decision-making, too, you know? Um, yeah. You can't expect the entire tactics to work around you, but, like, tactics in general in FIFA is something that I'm not really that interested in, you know? Because mm -hmm. it's it's stupid. <laughs> like, <laughs> I still laugh about this, you know? <laughs> On CDMs and CMs, the default option for their um, area of covering is white. Yeah. How stupid is that? Yeah, it's it's 
I, I don't even know where to start. Like, who put that in the game for three straight years? And I even told them when I was in Vancouver, hey, you got a problem here, you know? You should probably change this. And they were like, yeah, we'll look into it. But they still made a decision. Yeah, like central midfielders, they usually defend out wide. It's um, it's there to cover like the the defaults fullbacks if they're gonna move out the way, the mm-hmm. CMs literally play left back well until they're back, and so yeah, four three two one is unusable. Um, yep. but like last time, I want to end it with a quick, a quick fire. I want to end you ask you, in your opinion, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something like, who is the best defender? in FIFA esports history it could be anyone you've seen or played against, right? It doesn't matter. You didn't you don't have to like if you saw someone and you're like he's the best, he's the best, right? So I'm just going to ask you one by one and you give me your most honest answer. You could say yourself, you could say anyone you haven't played against but you're just so sure because you saw their gameplay, right? Okay, okay. All right, for you at their peak, who's the best defender in FIFA esports of all time? Uh Gorilla. I like that. Uh, who's the best attacker? Tex. Your favorite player to watch? Oof. That's interesting. Uh, favorite player to watch? At any point. Tex. Yeah, Tex, Tex at his peak, probably. Most clutch? Even. World's legend. Most consistent? I'll probably go with Mo Alba on that one. Most, um, who would you define as a pioneer slash revolutionary? Could be in the scene in terms of gameplay, anything. Oh, that was a good one. I'd probably go with uh, Tex again. I mean, what what he's done... I mean, nobody's ever been that dominant as he was. You know, people um, would win one tournament and then not get very far in the next one. But he's just one and one and one. It wasn't just by a goal. You know, he was crushing his opponents. Yeah. It was uh, astonishing. Who is like the, the tactician in the scene, the guy who's like, this guy's going to have three billion changes depending on his opponent? <laughs> Dirty Mike. Dirty Mike. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh. I mean, I've known him for years, and as I was saying, like, I don't think the tactical side makes too much of a difference in the yeah. game. And I think it's just silly when people are like, yeah, I want to move this one bar that way, and it will make such a difference in my gameplay. No, no, sorry. You know. <laughs> Your biggest inspiration? Biggest inspiration would probably be Boris Legend, for sure. You know, um, he did a lot for the scene and in FIFA, and um, when it comes to his content creation, he's probably he's the reason that I started doing YouTube and stuff myself. Um, so he's always been somebody that I've been looking up to, even though I've been beating him. You know, he's been making a lot of right decisions, and his brand building has been has been amazing. I remember seeing his. Uh, there's a video on his channel. You think you played him in some sort yeah. of cash Swedish yeah, it was. Uh, I th- I'm pretty sure he was struggling a, hard, a lot in those best of threes. I think I was. Watching yeah, I mean, like back in the days, I mean, he'd win the big tournaments. Like I would win seven or eight big tournaments, but 
during the final day, like when we were like competing in the base tournament, he would beat me, you know, yeah. he'd always, uh, he would, he would always win the big tournaments, you know, it was the same in the Las Vegas tournament that he won, which probably made his brand, you know, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but he was playing as a Swedish player. I think it was in like last of 32 or something like that. Um, and he was down one nil in the 92nd minute and the opponent was having a corner and then he was just going to pass it, you know, short on the corner, but he accidentally skipped it, the replay, you know, so the corner, he, he passed the corner and even got the counterattack, got a penalty in the 93rd minute and, and equalized and then won on penalties in that game. Yeah. Tiny margin. That makes sense why you said he's the most clutch. What's, uh, yeah. in your opinion, for you, your most, the most memorable performance you've seen in eSport, FIFA eSports? Performance? Wow. I mean, I don't even watch it, man. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing um, even from, like, the um, earlier days? Oh, I remember. I can't even. Was he called Adamant? I can't remember what he was called. He's like this Persian guy. He, uh, in FIFA 15, he's absolutely insane. It's like back then, you didn't play, you didn't know about players from other parts of the world, you know? So I went to ESWC, um, in, in Paris, and I went there and I was scheduled to play against this Iranian guy in FIFA 15. And he, uh, he played with a 3 5 2 Chelsea team. It was like the most insane player I've ever played against. Um, and I think he won the tournament eventually. Uh, he was he was amazing. Do you think? Obviously, again, this is similar to the last one. So if you don't, if you can't give an answer, it's fine. But um, the biggest, in your opinion, pro shock result the the match that after you're like, I did not expect that guy to win. Hmm. I could change your mind if if you want. Okay, go for it. <laughs> Uh, Chian, you know, um, I was telling you about that in Paris, you know, um, FIFA 15. No, 17. 17. Um, been to Paris quite a lot competing. But anyways, uh, he was in the group stage. He was ranked third. And I, was, I lost against a French player. And then Aigun, I think I was playing him. I drew against him. And I was playing as Xi'an. I thought he was by far the worst player in the group. In our group of four. And he... Uh, he won the entire PlayStation site after our game. It was, uh, it was crazy. Yeah. And um, if possible, who do you think is the greatest of all time in FIFA? Tex. Tex. 100%. 100%. Yeah. I can't He's... see anyone even being close. Uh, for reference, just out of curiosity, uh, um, I, I did these exact same ones, and the answers are a lot different, so that was interesting. For the GOAT, though, he did, Nightwatch had a lot more, like, Nicholas and, like, Razik, sort of, like, newer generation Foot Champs Cubs players, but for the GOAT, yeah. he put Dasari because of, um... Just I don't winning. even know that much about him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, I think it's difficult to... I mean, it's all very impressive what all, what they've done, all of them. But it's just not the same when you're not European, I think. Because yeah. it's so much harder qualifying for the events than it is in other regions. Um, so, yeah. All right. Well, guys, 
last chance for a couple of questions before we let Lucasinho go coach. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's got tactics to brew up. Greatest game of all time for you, someone asked. Like In FIFA football game. or FIFA? Yeah. FIFA? I don't know. Sorry, man. Like, I haven't been watching that many games. No, no, I mean like FIFA title. Oh, the title has to be 16 or 17. Fair 17 enough. probably. I mean, uh, everything, you know, from like, it was also brand new, you know, as well. I mean, we all remember the footmas from FIFA 17 and the foot birthday was absolutely amazing too. Yeah. Uh, from FIFA 17, but the gameplay obviously uh, being the big part of it. One thing you would change immediately about gameplay. One? It's one. He said, chat is asking for one. Okay, it has to be the passing or the shooting. I mean, two quite big things when it comes to football, wouldn't you say? Um, probably be passing. Passing. Someone asked how, how it felt to sign for AIK as a Hammer B fan. Mm, I mean, I grew up, you know, going to Hammerby games and stuff, you know, but I've been coaching in Oikul for six years, you know. Um, I've been coaching in Oikul and I've been a player for two years. Uh, so it's just like started, you know, changing a long time ago. You know, I was always a Chelsea supporter. I didn't really care much about Swedish football, but now, uh, I mean, I got a season ticket to Oikul and I got all the games. So uh, it's pretty easy. Fantastic. Dude. I won't take Evan uh, any more of your time. I appreciate you. That was great. Some great Thank insights, you. some funny stories. Um, where can people find you? Um, I mean, Twitter, YouTube. I need to get back on my, my English YouTube. Uh, I'll promise to do that next week or something. Um, but Twitter is probably the easiest way to find everything. Uh, if you want to find a reference to my other platforms. Um, mostly angry on Twitter. I am in person. <laughs> Like, it's just all negative things, you know, but yeah, um, I'll try to get back into streaming and stuff pretty soon too. Um, it's just been, I've been having a nose problem, so I haven't really been able to breathe when streaming and it's been annoying for the viewers. Too. Oh yeah, that's, yeah. Um, but I, it's gotten better lately, so I'll probably get back into it.